0: And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. We're going to pray real quick before Pastor Mark uh, brings the word to us today. God, I thank you that you are the God of the past, the present, and the future, um, and the God over every season. I thank you how you were faithful to us in this past season and faithful to Mark and the other interim pastors that served us so faithfully um, to this point. I thank you that you are the God of this coming chapter of this church and of this body of believers. I thank you that you brought us a pastor for this next season. And I thank you that you are God of today and right now. And I pray that as Mark brings the word this morning, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive whatever you want to speak through him this morning. And I thank you that he's here and willing to bring this word to us. And in your great name, I pray, Lord. Amen.
1: Thank you so much, Talia. I want to thank you for your prayers for my recent travels in France and Spain. Really one of the best trips I've ever had. Learned a lot, saw a lot of new things. I'd never been there before. And uh, last Sunday, I attended service at our sister church in Paris, the American church that James knows quite well. Forecast was rain in the morning, so I decided to, since I was walking, uh, to go to the contemporary service in the afternoon, and uh, having served in an interim capacity for over the last uh, over a year or so, it's interesting to see another service sort of from the inside, because uh, they started late because of problems with equipment set up. <laughs> And a volunteer who apparently didn't show up. On the third worship song, because they were using a projector uh, there, uh, there was a malfunction, so we didn't have that. And the final chorus, overhead whatsoever. Uh, And then there was the appeal for volunteers. (laughs) It was just like being at home, you know. They said, we really need people on our worship team. So if you're available, you know, one week to volunteer. I said, "Whoa, <laughs> just like being at home. So no, I had a wonderful service there, a beautiful church and uh, wonderful to be with a sister congregation. So in our series on First Peter, it's very convenient. Uh, Peter, I'm in the, the dead spot here, you know, <laughs> you have to watch, work around this. Uh, Peter has a section Uh, in his letter dealing with leaders. And so we've kind of moved things around so we could focus on this passage in the final chapter of 1 Peter today. And he couches this teaching in the context of humility. And so as we've been looking at characteristics of God's people in 1 Peter, we're looking today at the church as a humble people. And Peter begins uh, in this chapter by looking, uh, giving uh four things. First of all, he gives an exhortation. Then he gives a command. Then he gives an encouragement. And finally, a warning. And so we're going to look at those four points just briefly this morning as we preface our installation of Robin. I'm going to move this over here so I'm out of that spot. And he begins uh, his exhortation now to the leader's Uh, in these churches in the five provinces of Asia Minor, situating this encouragement in the past, or excuse me, in the present, the past, and then in the future. And notice he calls himself a fellow elder. The Greek word here is presbyteros. We get our word presbyterian or presbytery, presbyter from this, but he's a fellow one with the prefix that he attaches onto it. And he's now addressing leaders in places that are all over in central and northern Turkey in the first century. Places today called Samson, Amasya, Eskishihir, Ankara, Kayseri, Iznik, Izmit. And as we look at demographics in the first century, we probably have maybe more Christians in the first century in this area than we do today. So uh, one of the challenges uh, that is spiritually in this land today. And Paul is addressing these who are leaders of house churches, scattered exiles in this area. As I traveled and saw church after church all over Western Europe, and Peter, of course, there as the first Pope in the Western church there. I think Peter would be rolling over in his sarcophagus. <laughs> if he realized what was being done to exalt him above his brothers and sisters in some special way. Because we see the evidence of Peter's humility here, of being part of the inner three of the disciples of Jesus, and yet he is a fellow leader with those who are serving in these churches that he is addressing. Secondly, he calls himself in the past a firsthand witness Of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's his witness that he proclaims as he's traveling, evangelizing. It's the witness that these leaders and the congregations in Asia Minor are attesting to what the apostles themselves, like Peter, saw in those final days of Jesus Christ. This is the basis of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection. And it's the basis of our same witness today as we look at Peter as he writes concerning the suffering of Jesus Christ. And thirdly, in the context of the leaders, he calls himself a partner. And he says, as we labor in behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus has a special reward for us. We know the great promise that's given in Revelation, that's given by Paul as well, or unfading crown that will be given. And we're told in the time when this will take place in the first chapter of Peter, when he returns, each one of us who are faithful witnesses, including leaders, will receive this crown of victory, this wreath of imperishable, unfading life, eternal life with our Lord Jesus Christ. And so Peter begins his exhortation to the elders in these churches then by placing himself as a fellow presbyter, as a partner and a witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. He then goes on to give three attributes that should characterize good shepherds. And he uses the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the model for all shepherds, all leaders in the church to follow. And he frames these both as a negative first and then as a positive. And so I decided as we look at these, we're going to see how our new pastor shapes up. (laughs) First of all, he says that the leader should not be forced to serve grudgingly or under compulsion, but to serve voluntarily. So, Throughout this search process, there have been many in this congregation who have encouraged Robin verbally, some in writing, to apply for this position. So it's very clear that Robin did not do this unwillingly, but he, praying with Robin, felt the leading of the Holy Spirit to apply for this position. And as we see, the result of the pastoral search, he was chosen, and. He has accepted. So we see Robin qualifying then on the first point here. He is doing this willingly. (laughs) He may be having reservations about this now, but uh, it's too late, Robin. It's too late. (laughs) Secondly, the leader is not to be motivated by financial gain, but serving (laughs) freely and eagerly. Now, nowhere in Robin's application did I see I would like this job because of the big salary that's being paid here. Okay. So for those who are visitors here, the large uh, remuneration that Robin will receive is a 2,500 lira housing allowance each month. So hardly worth uh, uh, coveting uh, in any way in terms of financial benefit from this position. So, uh, Robin, you qualify on this second point as well. Money was not your motivation for seeking this position. Thirdly, He says that the leader should not be domineering or lording it over God's people, that is forcing them to do things that's against their will, but to lead by a positive example. And I know serving with Robin uh, on our interim team over these past months, those of you who have known uh, him uh, through their uh, attendance and service here at St. Paul Union Church understand that this is not Robin's character. He is not a domineering person who will force his way on our congregation. So if we use these three characteristics, then I think we could say, Robin, that you qualify on all counts. And now we can proceed with the installation this morning. I'm I'm quite confident of that. So the second thing that Peter does, he gives a command to younger leaders. Now, I know the text says to young men, but I think the context here very clearly is pointing us to younger leaders uh, in these churches that are being addressed here. And they're told to lead in the same way. He says, in the same way, younger leaders. So that is to do, be motivated by these same three things, to follow the chief shepherd. But he says, also submit to older leaders. Now, all the various human organizations that you've been a part of, including the church, know that there are generational tensions that do take place. Based on different expectations and visions uh, that come by various age groups, okay? Younger leaders, they want change, freshness, innovation. Older ones, stability, continuity, familiarity. And both dimensions are so necessary for spiritual growth and success in a church. And there needs to be patience and understanding for both the younger and the older in any organization, especially in a church. Now, I know that our AGM and our congregational survey, there was expressed the witness for a younger pastor in his 40s with a family. Well, God didn't see fit (laughs) to choose that individual or that particular profile for the pastor we will be getting. But I can tell you that Robin... And uh, the pastoral team is acutely aware that we are older, okay? Yet, we have a strong desire to include younger persons in leadership roles in this church. And I hope those who are younger here, and I don't, I'm not going to put an age limit between what older and younger, feel that you're being empowered and invited to be involved in this congregation in whatever way you choose to serve, and we certainly invite that. We at St. Paul Union Church don't want to be a congregation of just people over 50 years old, okay? We want to be a congregation of younger people, a congregation of families where everybody is involved. What are you smiling about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, those of you who are 40 or six, sixty. okay, I, I, I put the wrong. Uh,
2: <laughs>
1: third thing peter does here is he encourage as the leaders and the congregations to be humble and he uses a striking image here he says to clothe yourselves get dressed with humility in the same way we put on our clothes each day to clothe ourselves with the spiritual attribute of humility to cover us spiritually. He says, Paul, God's people are to be humble in their dealings with one another. And leaders are especially to be humble as they shepherd the people of God. We need to remember our achievement, our spiritual success, not, comes not from our own works, but it comes from the power of the Holy Spirit working through us. And we use that power to build one another up in the body of Christ. And Peter, to support the importance of humility for him, quotes Proverbs three thirty-four: God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. How often we forget that. And he then exhorts Peter to humble themselves under God's mighty hand to humble ourselves and he says it's in only in this way then that God can lift us up and exalt us if we lift ourselves up through our own power through our own strength this is not following the way of Jesus let God lift us up and he says at that, that time will be the last time when Jesus returns and will turn each one and say, well done, good and faithful servant. The fourth thing he does in this chapter, he gives a warning about the devil. And he closes the section by comparing the devil to a roaring lion. It's a very familiar passage of familiar imagery I'm sure you've heard many sermons about. When you watch documentaries on television say on Animal Planet or National Geographic World and you see lions, you know, out in the wild doing their thing as they're hunting, what are they looking for? They're looking for a weakness in their prey. And when they discover that weakness, they're able to pounce on their prey to kill it and to devour it. And Peter uses this as a spiritual metaphor then for what the devil is trying to do with each and every one of us. And I think implicit in Peter's warning here is a warning against pride. He's prefaced this already by the quotation from uh, Proverbs, and he probably is thinking of other Proverbs that are familiar to us as well that address pride. Proverbs 16, 18, Pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 29, 23, pride ends in humiliation, while humility builds honor. Old Testament, the New Testament, again, talking about the importance of humility for the people of God and how that pride then is a point of weakness that the enemy can pounce on. The enemy looks for weaknesses in our own lives, and especially in this area of humility. And if we exalt ourselves, trust me, the enemy will use that weakness and exploit it and try to bring us down and destroy us. But if we clothe ourselves with humility and we, we will escape the trap of pride, and the devil is a roaring lion, will be unable to find any vulnerability in our spiritual armor. And this warning is especially relevant for leaders who may come to think of their success as resulting from talent, ability, seminary education, (laughs) reading original language, whatever it is, but (laughs) it really is God's blessing as a work of the Holy Spirit. Just a few words in closing. Underlying Peter's exhortation, and I can just see this in the back of his mind as he's writing this about humility is the recollection of an event in the final days of the life of the Lord Jesus, an event we know quite well, but I want to remind you here in closing. You remember the occasion of the Last Supper when Jesus was in this very intimate setting gathered with the disciples. The chief shepherd were with his chosen sheep. John 13 records this account when Jesus surprisingly gets up from behind the table, takes a towel, takes a basin of water, and sits down now in front of the disciples and begins to wash their feet. And Peter, of course, objects. He says, no, Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet. This is a job for a servant, a slave, not for our master and our Lord. And Jesus says to him, Unless I wash your feet, you'll have no part of me. And you can feel that Peter is the something inside of him. You know, someone like Jesus should be doing this. But he allows his master, his shepherd, to humble himself by washing his feet. And Jesus then asks Peter, do you understand what I've done for you? He says, you call me teacher and Lord and rightly so, for, this, that, for that is what I am. Now that I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Peter's teaching about humility, the people of God to be a humble people, I think is rooted In the memory of this event, of what Jesus did shortly before he went to the cross, and it forever changed his model of leadership and what he was to become. Your interim leadership team here at St. Paul Union Church has attempted over these past months, I think, to demonstrate this servant leadership model that was exemplified by Jesus and encouraged by Peter. And I believe that Robin, as our lead pastor, is committed to that same servant leadership model. And this will undergird his ministry here at St. Paul Union Church as we enter into this new season as a congregation in our life here in Antalya, Turkey. May God bless his word. We come to this time in our service when we do install robin so if you'll take out the special insert that uh, is in the bulletin this will be uh, you'll have a role as a congregation to participate as well and then uh, those who will be participating if you will uh, anticipate uh, or i'll call you forward uh, at the appropriate time Uh, would you all stand as a congregation And let us pray as we uh, begin uh, our installation service. Lord Jesus, uh, we do thank you for this teaching of Peter about leaders. And we thank you that you've set us a man to be a shepherd, an under-shepherd of the Chief Shepherd Jesus Christ, a shepherd of St. Paul Union Church. Uh, We thank you how you prepared him, Lord. We thank you that he is seasoned. He's experienced, and Father, uh, we commit this installation service to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We begin by looking at God's gifts to his people, reading from Romans 12, verses 14 through 18. Uh, I will lead the light print, and you'll join me in reading uh, together uh, the dark print. For just as each of us has one body with many members... If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. I'd like our Emeritus Pastor, Reverend James Boltman, now to present our candidate.
3: I trust that uh, almost everybody here knows who Robin Ellis is, but there may be some visitors, Robin, that still are trying to figure out which one is you. But uh, anyway, he's the good-looking guy here in the blue suit, in case you're wondering. (laughs) You'll hear from him soon. In his baptism, Robin was clothed with Christ, He was ordained to the ministry of the gospel by his home church, and now has been called by God through the voice of this church to serve as lead pastor of this congregation. We remember with joy our common calling to serve Christ, and we celebrate God's call to our brother Robin to serve among us as lead pastor.
1: I'd like to invite Robin now to the stage, put him on this side of me. I will first be asking questions to Robin, and then later we'll address you as the congregation. Robin, do you trust in Jesus Christ, your Savior, acknowledge him Lord of all and head of the church, and through him believe in one God, Father, and Son, and Holy Spirit? I do. Robin, do you accept the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments to be by the Holy Spirit, the unique, inspired, and authoritative witness to Jesus? I do. Robin, will you be a minister of God's word in obedience to Jesus Christ, under the authority of Scripture, and in accordance with the fundamental beliefs and purpose of this church expressed in its constitution? I will. Robin, will you in your own life seek to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, love your neighbor, and work for the reconciliation of the world? I will. Robin, do you promise to further the peace, unity, and purity of the church and to serve the people with integrity, intelligence, imagination, faith, hope, and love? I do. Now to you, congregation. You may be seated. Do we, as members of the church, St. Paul Union Church, accept the Reverend Robin Ellis as our lead pastor, chosen by God through the voice of this congregation to guide us in the way of Jesus Christ? We do. Do we agree to encourage him to respect his decisions and to follow as he guides us, serving Jesus Christ, who alone is head of the church. Do we promise to fulfill our commitments to him, to stand by him in trouble, and share his joys? Will we listen to the word he preaches, welcome his pastoral care, and honor his authority as he seeks to honor and obey Jesus Christ? I'd like to invite now three of our longest standing members of St. Paul Union Church, Carolyn Boudja, Mary Robbins, and Emel Yilgur to come to the stage and read scriptural texts that will be part of the charge uh, to Robin. Uh, my text is from Acts 20, uh, verses
4: 28
5: and 32. Robin Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought, bought with his own blood. Now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance
4: among all those who are sanctified." My reading is from Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 6, verses 11 to 15. Robin, you, man of God, avoid all these things. Strive for righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Run your best in the race of faith and win eternal life for yourself. For it was to this life that God called you when you firmly professed your faith, before many witnesses, before God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who firmly professed his faith before Pontius Pilate. I command you to obey your orders and keep them faithfully until the day when our Lord Jesus Christ will appear. His appearing will be brought about at the right time by God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're welcome. In the presence of God
6: and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Robin. Pastor Robin. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. But you, Robin, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. This is the word of the Lord. Amen.
1: I'd like to invite uh, Samuel Ebel and Jason Willis to come forward now and to give the charge to the congregation.
2: To the congregation, I read from Philippians chapter 2, from verse 5. Let this mind be in us as it was in Christ Jesus. Who, being in the form of God, did not consider it drawbreak to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of burnt servant and coming in the likeness of man. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and giving him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, of the things in heaven, of those things on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
7: My scripture reading is Hebrew 13, 7 to 8, and then 15 to 18. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then 15 to 18. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. This is the word of the Lord.
1: At this time, I'd like to invite uh, Robin and his wife, Marilyn, to come to the front uh, and invite uh, our council members to come forward. Uh, Annal is also in the council, so she's done a reading already. Uh, Mary is on the council, but uh, she is serving us uh, with our children. So, Symbol uh, spelled her for a second so she was able to come up and do reading. So, uh, Janita and Brian and Dindy, and we'll have the three of you please lead us uh, as a congregation in prayer for Robin and Marilyn. And, uh, Janita, we have you leading on.
6: So, Lord, we just come before you today, God, and we just thank you for bringing Robin and Marilyn to us for such a time as this. Lord, I thank you for their time that they visited here and they felt the Lord leading them to this place. God, I thank you that it's not by accident, but it's completely led by your Spirit. And so, God, I just pray right now for both of them. I pray that as they lead us, that you would give them all the wisdom that they need in order to lead us well. I pray that you would just put a hunger and a thirst in them for more of your presence, more of your Spirit, God, and that they would be just filled up to overflowing with your Spirit, so that they would be prepared and ready to do everything that you have called them to do in this place, God. I pray that they would be sensitive to your voice, that they would hear what you're saying, God, and that they would lead us into what you have for us for this time in Jesus' name.
2: Yes, Lord, Lord, we give you praise and glory for this day. We thank you for what you're doing in this church and through our leaders. Lord, we humble ourselves today to serve. Lord, we, we, we just put aside the age, Lord, and we submit ourselves to our leaders. We thank you. We glorify you in doing this, Lord. And, Lord, we know that you've sent an angel before Marilyn and Robin for this new season, Lord. We pray, Lord, that you would guide them, lead them in this new season, Lord. But, Lord, we thank you for the joy in this new season. And we praise you and give you all our praise. So, Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name.
5: Lord, I have a sense today that this is a victory for your church. This is about you, the head of the church, Lord. You care for your people. You truly are the chief shepherd. And you appoint under shepherds by your choosing. As Hebrews says, no one appoints himself. He must be called by God. And so we thank you for this calling upon our brother and our sister here. Lord, we thank you for the calling of your spirit upon each person who is part of this community, this body that you gave your life for. Lord, you gave your life for the church, really, for each and every person who would be part of your kingdom. It's an honor. It's an honor to serve you. And thank you for a leader, Robin, and for Marilyn, God, who want to serve you with all humility, with thankfulness, and with just a sense of your call upon them. We bow before you, dearest God, today. And we accept your choice with with joy in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Robin, as a minister of the word in the church of Jesus Christ, you are now installed as the lead pastor of our congregation. Be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. I congratulate you on behalf of myself and the congregation. We're not quite over. James is going to come forward and do a presentation of the symbols of ministry.
2: Oh,
3: Robin, please come forward. Before uh, you give your closing remarks, Uh, We're going to have one more formality. This uh, uh, is not always part of installation services, but is often part of installation services. uh, The presentation of the symbols of ministry. Uh, Robin is uh, entering a key role for the St. Paul Union Church, obviously. And along with that role comes weighty responsibilities. And the symbols really underscore the importance of these responsibilities. And uh, the first of the symbols is going to be the the altar Bible. Uh, Robin, um, I entrust to your care the altar Bible of the St. Paul Union Church. Renata and I bought uh, this Bible for this church when this church was still a dream. And uh, ever since the very first service, it has uh, purposefully been positioned in the front center of this congregation. Uh, For a number of years, we did our scripture reading out of this Bible, as the ladies did today, uh, just a few moments ago. Um, As newer and better translations of the Bible came out, that habit fell by the wayside, the habit of reading from this particular book. But Robin, uh, let me implore you, For Christ's sake, to never let the word of God itself fall by the wayside here at the St. Paul Union Church. May God's word always be in the front center of your ministry. Second, uh, a carpenter friend of mine made this uh, cross for this church uh, again before this church was even birthed. And uh, ever since the very first service, this cross has stood before the worshiping congregations of this church, uh, symbolizing uh, both the atoning sacrifice of uh, Jesus Christ and by our faith in him, the profound blessings that are ours as a result. And may this cross always be for you, Robin, a reminder that your ministry here at SPUC will only flourish beneath the cross of Christ. And as a reminder that you too have a cross to take up and bear out of your love for Jesus Christ and the people. And finally, uh, I entrust to your care, this cherished chalice Uh, which does need some care, come to think of it. Actually, (laughs) perhaps Robin uh, could help with some polishing here. But uh, this chalice was uh, a gift from the International Community Church of Surrey, London, a gift uh, to this congregation in either 1999 or 2000. Renata could tell you the exact year, I'm sure. And uh, let this chalice represent the uh, sacraments or the ordinances of the church for which you will also be responsible to either implement or to oversee here at SPUC. And I might add that uh, some of my most profound and and precious moments of ministry here at the St. Paul Union Church have been when I have looked worshipers, pardon me, partakers of the bread and the wine in the eyes and declared to each one, the body of Christ was given for you. His blood was shed for you. And may I encourage you, Robin, to convey those truths as if they constituted your life's final words because they are a fitting summary of pastoral ministry in Jesus name congratulations
8: thank you thank you all of you um I asked how long my closing remarks should be, and I said, five minutes, and they said, no shorter. <laughs> However, well, we'll see. Uh, <laughs> I am honored and humbled to have been called um, by this congregation to serve as the lead pastor. And um, I would ask first that you pray for me, that you would continue to pray for me, that all these things I have been charged with, that I would be faithful to them, that I would be a pastor after God's own heart, that I would love you with the love of the Lord, that I would be faithful in preaching scripture. That I would be faithful in counsel and encouragement and care for those who are wounded and hurting. That I would be faithful as one who is able to bring scripture to bear on the lives of those that I'm entrusted, whose lives I'm entrusted with. I would ask that you would continue to pray for me in that couple of times in the service that we've just, um, read has been read for us. Um, those reference made to the voice of the congregation that, um, that I was selected through the, through the pastoral search committee and by the voice of the congregation. And I believe deeply in the voice of the Spirit through the congregation. So I want to encourage each one of you that if you feel the Lord has put something on your heart, that my door is open and my ear is open. Because for me, leadership of a congregation has a lot to do with hearing what the spirit is saying in the body and giving work, giving voice to that. So I need you to talk to me. I need you to share what's on your heart, even if it seems outrageous and weird. Um, because what often happens is the Lord will speak the same thing to two or three or four people in the congregation And if you don't speak up, the word isn't confirmed. Okay? So I want to encourage you to do that. That my, I'm not an Old Testament prophet. I don't go off into the the wilderness and hear the word from the Lord and then bring it back and tell you what to do. That's not New Testament leadership. Okay? So you have a part in this as well to speak the word of the Lord to me as much as I speak the word of the Lord to you. Thank you so much for this privilege. Um, Janina made reference to a story uh, which most of you may not know. Um, In February 2015, we were here for a conference And we were walking along the top of the cliffs in Lara and, um, we were, we were serving in Afghanistan at the time. And the Lord spoke to both of us at the same time, Marilyn and myself, that we would be coming back to Antalya at some point in the future. Now, you've got to realize that never happens. What normally happens is the Lord speaks to Marilyn. I argue with her for a month or so, and then I discover that actually the Lord was speaking to Marilyn. Um, <laughs> so the fact that Lord, that we both heard the Lord at the same time, that we would be returning to this place and being involved in ministry here, is very significant to us. So I want to thank you once again for this call. And pray for me that I will discharge it well.